Hello everyone and welcome to Inside the Auditorium with me, Hazel Rowe. My next guest has had a great career from software engineer to IT audit and now audit director for models, data and applied sciences at Lloyds Banking Group. Please welcome Sharia Humayun, who gives us a great insight into models audit, data and the audit outlook for 2024. Please enjoy. Good morning, Shreya. Um, welcome to our episode of Inside the Auditorium. Perhaps you could just uh, give an introduction on yourself and um, a little bit about your career. Morning, Hazel. Thanks for having me uh, on, on the podcast. So uh, I'm actually uh, a software engineer by qualification. Uh, so I started off uh, after my um, computer science undergrad, I started off working for a Swiss bank in Dubai. And then I moved to the UK working for Deloitte and then uh, for a couple of other banks uh, that include MUFG and Deutsche. Uh, and now for the last few years, I've been with Lloyd's. Um, where I made the move from being a software engineer to uh, an auditor, to be more precise, an IT auditor, uh, was in Dubai initially when after working in, in IT for for some time, I got an opportunity to move across uh, and I took it up. Uh, so that's a very quick brief on my background and my career. What I do now is that I'm uh, the audit director for models, data and applied sciences. Uh, at Lloyd's Banking Group, um, and that includes, as, as the name suggests, that basically includes oversight of three teams. One is the model risk team, uh, which actually provides thematic coverage of models uh, across the group, uh, Lloyd's Banking Group. Um, the second team is the data risk team, and that team actually looks at uh, the thematic coverage of data risk looking at things such as data strategy, data quality, remediation, and so on and so forth. And the third team, which is the biggest amongst the three, is the data science team. And that team is actually involved in providing support for audits through the use of data analytics and data science techniques. Um, and it provides uh, coaching on data analytics to the rest of the function and it works on developing repeatable tools and techniques uh, for auditors uh, to use on their own. So that, that, that basically is what I do and what my career has been. Not a lot then. <laughs> um, so can you just tell us in terms of model risk, can you just give us a bit of an, uh, uh, an idiot's guide on what a model risk is for people that perhaps don't know, don't know anything about it? Yeah, so uh, isn't models, uh, in, in this day and age, models are used across all organisation, all parts of the organisation. They'd be used uh, in credit risk. Uh, for regulatory, uh, for calculation, for instance, uh, calculation of regulatory capital, they'd be used for uh, credit decisioning, they'd be used for market risk, for instance, you've got the VAR model as well. They will be used, models will be used in trading as well, for pricing as well. And then moving uh, out of these areas, there are also operational models, for instance, for fraud detection, for uh, 
other areas such as the risk areas as well. Um, and now moving on, uh, a lot of organizations are developing and rolling out AI and machine learning models. So that are actually adding to the mix as well. So all in all, um, the use of models is almost pervasive across the entire organization and it's becoming more and more important. Now, what the team does is the, the team looks at the or all model risk order teams, they actually look at uh, the control framework uh, of around these models, how they have been, for instance, how they have been inventorized, how the controls uh, over these models are being implemented, how that's uh, at a management level, how the, the oversight over, over that is provided, what the governance is, and then, you know, it, it could, for instance, the way we operate in, in the model space is, we get at it through three different mechanisms. Firstly, we look at the governance and the model risk framework, i.e. how's the management comfortable that they've got the right controls and they're operating uh, over their uh, suite of models with, with, with the risk proportionality. Um, secondly, we do model deep dives, which means that, we, for instance, if... Uh, they're looking at uh, the mortgage pricing model. Uh, the, the team's looking at the mortgage pricing process. The audit team's looking at the mortgage pricing process. The model risk team would actually provide SME support whereby they'd look at the conceptual soundness of the model. They'd look at how it's being tested. They'd look at how the ongoing monitoring is being done. Um, and then uh, lastly, uh, as I said, the deep, uh, we, we do the deep dive, and lastly, there would be a lot of regulatory audits that we need to do as well in terms of providing attestation for models that are being uh, submitted to the regulators. So at a, at a very, very high level, this is how we actually uh, operate sure. in the model risk space. So when I've been, because model risk, it's, it is quite new in, in, in so many, you know, two, three years, quite new. Um, and I've also, and I've seen that most people that get into model risk actually come from an actuarial or a quantitative type background. Um, would you say then that, anybody that comes to work within model risk audit has to come from that type of background? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I, I think in terms of the models being around, they've been around for for a very very long time, right? For instance, since we've been actually uh, wanting to an example is since we've been wanting to calculate the regulatory capital RWA, they've always been used for that. Um, I, I think there's been a lot more focus on the controls around them. As of late, for instance, there is a new regulation that goes, that was um, published last last year, it's a supervisory statement by the PRA SS123 and it goes uh, into effect um, 17th of May 2024. Uh, so I think that and then there have been other uh, sort of uh, other recent heightened uh, focuses coming from regulators as well. So that, that might be the reason you see more and more focus on it. Uh, to your point on um, the skill set, so uh, we at Lloyd's are actually uh, from the 
from the exposure perspective are quite lucky because we've got an insurance arm as well. We've, we've got the Scottish Widows, uh, which is the insurance business. And then we've got, of course, the banking business. So on the insurance side, we do look for actuaries being part of the models risk team to support the audit of models in the insurance space. Um, and on the banking side and more generally, uh, we do need to have a certain number of people who worked in the first and second line, either as you know, quantitative analysts or in terms of model development, or in the second line as if they worked as in, in the function of model validation. So these skill sets are very much sought after. And the reason is uh, the it's essentially the, the technicality of the subject. In fact, um, you, you'd find people who've been working in, in the market risk model space for a very long time. Uh, and that's yeah. their specialty. The same happens with credit risk as well. So we do need those specialist skills. However, as you would do with any good, well-formed team, you need to have a mix of all skill sets, right? So, for instance, you need uh, you need people who who worked in audit or who have covered models from the from from audit perspective in the past. So, as we as I've built up the team, I've actually used the, the sort of backgrounds I look for are actuaries, uh, quantitative analysts in terms of backgrounds, as well as auditors. Uh, because that brings in a really nice holistic perspective for the entire team to be working on in terms of approach and how they move forward. Sure. Okay. I meant sort of more in terms that there's now sort of um, banks have become uh, siloed their model risk teams, whereas I believe that previously, although that you were doing models, there wasn't particularly separate teams that there are now. Um, and with regards to sort of somebody um, working as a quant analyst, let's say, that we, we are now trying to get into these teams, what do you think the sell is or, or what, why would that be of an interest, to, you know, to somebody like that to come into internal audit? I, I think um, the, the real value that I could actually tell people about, and that's, that's what I've talked about as I've recently built up the model scheme as well. It's the view and the exposure you get working within, within audit. Firstly, as I just said, people would be working in the credit risk model space for a very long time. Whilst they get a very deep understanding, they won't necessarily get the breadth of exposure that they could get working in audit. When you're in the audit team, you actually get to look at credit risk models, you look at market risk models, you look at operational models, you look at trading models. And for instance, within within our environment, we, we, we as I said, we'd be lucky that we've got uh, the insurance side of the business as well. So you could also look at the insurance models. So it's the breadth of exposure that you get in an audit team that you won't necessarily get in the second or, or the third line. Uh, the other piece is actually the holistic view you get, right? You take a step back and you're able to see the end-to-end -end working with other auditors, uh, 
which actually helps you get that holistic view when, when you're looking at models and the risk they, they, they have uh, or they pose or the lack of controls around them poses uh, to, to the organization. Um, and I, I believe it's the, 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 the other, for instance, in terms of exposure, I've talked about, I've talked about variety, right? And then I've talked about the holistic view you get as well. Uh, but the, the other thing I think that you could really sort of take something, uh, sort of something of a pride in is the value you're able to add uh, in terms of the work that you do. An audit typically is about three months or, or less, any typical audit. Uh, and the same applies to models audit as well. And the recommendations you make or the findings you come up with, you could actually see uh, the impact of that on the organization. And I personally feel having worked outside of audit and then within audit, I personally feel the recognition that we get within audit because of our proximity to the senior and executive management is far more than what you get uh, working in some of the other uh, functions within the organization. Sure. And and just going back to yourself, I mean, you as you said earlier on, you started with, as a software engineer and then you moved to IT audit. And now, um, obviously, you're, you're, you're doing models, data, etc. How how did you get there in your career or uh, did you have to retrain at all? Um, that's a really interesting question, actually. Um, at times I wonder as well how I got there, <laughs> but, but um, I, I didn't actually, I, I think uh, I didn't retrain. Initially when I made the move, it was because of my technical skills, uh, because I was a software engineer and they wanted, in that organization, they wanted someone who had a good knowledge of IT to be able to identify, uh, um, assess and ad identify and assess uh, IT risk but also someone who had the technical depth as well. And of course, data analytics. So that helped. And then I did CISA uh, to sort of, as I moved into uh, audit or IT audit to, to sort of upskill myself in, in that regard. And then uh, I've moved into doing business audits as well as looking at algorithmic trading back at Deutsche Bank and then of course, data science, uh, aerocloids, and then, then models. I, I think most of the learning that you get is on the job. Um, what, you, what you learn, all you need to have is a curious mindset, and of course you need to have certain uh, foundational knowledge and background, uh, and the rest you could build as you move uh, across your career. You need to have that curious mindset you need to have that focus on what you want to learn and how you want to progress your career. And that helps immensely. Uh, for me, the reason to move um, to audit was clearly uh, the fact that I could clearly see that being an audit, I'd get, to, I'd get more exposure to senior management. At that point, there was a lot of travel involved as well. So I was looking forward to the global exposure as well. And uh, it, it was also the variety uh, that, that actually enticed me to the work that I've mentioned even for, for the model space. Uh, and all of these things put together really 
piqued my interest and got me interested in all the different things I've since then I've since done. For instance, initially IT audit, then algorithmic rating audit, then then uh, data science has been or data analytics has been a part of my career throughout. It's been a common thread, and, and then then models as well. And in terms of the models, then, do you think the algorithmic trading helped you with that? I mean, so um, if somebody was going to look to get into model risk, do you think that they're better off doing a, some sort of quantitative qualification? Or I, I think uh, looking at, for someone who wants to get into the, the model order team at, at, a, at a lower level, I think they should have quantitative background. Uh, again, it depends on, as I said, not everybody in the team would exactly be the same, but that does yeah. help uh, on the insurance side, actually background on, on, on the banking side, uh, some sort of quantitative uh, background that does help, especially as you get into, uh, into the depths of models and when you've been looking at the the conceptual soundness and when you're looking at the testing of models and the calibration data and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I feel someone who's actually done wider auditing and they want to move into data science or models, they could actually do that by, by on the job learning as well, right? It, in, a, in every team, you'd have some very technical people, and then you'd have people who'd be able to look at the high-level risk and governance, and uh, it, it depends on where you want to sit within that spectrum. Because uh, just moving now to your data science team, I know that you've got some very strong programmers um, w within your team, and... Um, you know, I, I do find that in when I've been recruiting um, just programmers um, within internal audit, I, I tend to find that they've not stay, they don't stay there for that long because they 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 um, make do a program and then there isn't really you know they just keep doing the same thing over again. Um, why is that so different in your team? I, I think. Uh... That's, uh, again, an excellent question, Hazel. Uh, I, I, I believe anyone moving, coming into internal audit at some point or moving out of internal audit should have a, should try to get broader exposure, right? For instance, within the data science team, I've hired, we've hired people from the business who've come and worked with us in the data science team. Again, people who were auditors and we, upskill them on data analytics and data science. Now they're working in the business. So we've both been, um, we've both been an area that attracts talent, but we've also been providing a talent pool to, to the business as well. So moving out of internal audit into other areas isn't necessarily a bad thing as, as it is for other areas to come and work in an audit. Uh, but in terms of how we actually attract and retain people within audit is, uh, again, as I said, uh, variety, especially for techie within data science, variety is absolutely one thing that they, they, they love, right? One day you could be working 
on a consumer audit looking running some analytics or sort of certain data science techniques such as natural language processing uh, on on sort of consumer data and complaints the next day you could be working um, on on a finance audit running something totally different the third day you may actually be doing some outlier detection in insurance space so variety absolutely keeps people engaged sure and and in terms of the um the areas that you do uh, or, or that you're managing should i say is it's really that you you've got some very very good technical people i know your your head of model risk she's actually from a a market risk background generally in in um the banking world let's say those types of people just generally are not um don't particularly want to be in a in a communicative role um do you think now just generally if you was working as a market risk um quant or what have you that they would now have to be more communicative anyway so it's easier for people to come into internal audit to, because it's more of a consultative role now internal audit right Absolutely. I think internal audit is an excellent area to upskill yourselves on uh, on communication, on influencing skills. Because at the end of the day, when you go and find issues around controls, it's not it's not as black and white as that, right? You need to be able to take your stakeholders on a journey. You need to be able to influence them, and you need to be able to articulate the risk as well. And internal audit provides an excellent training ground for that. Um, and, and as you grow more senior, let's say initially, if you're working on audits as an auditor, then you become an engagement lead, then you become a head of audit. You start off with dealing with more technical stakeholders, but as you move up, you're able to see the big picture and you, you should be able to articulate the big picture in terms of the risks that those control deficiencies pose as well. So it is a great area to upskill yourselves on, on, communications, on communication skills, but also on influencing skills, so to speak. Uh, and people who are looking to build those skills, this is a great area for them to come into. I found it myself, Arty. <laughs> and 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 just going back to yourself, obviously going from IT audit and then into data science and now model risk. Did you actually have a career plan for that, or why is it that you've taken on these new challenges? Um, I never, to be honest, I never planned to be in audit when when I did my software engineering. Um, but as you as, as you move through your career. Uh, you get exposure to different things you things you may not even have thought about. So I think it's best to keep an open mind. And as you move through your career, as you move through life, and then you see certain opportunities, you need to look at the pros and cons of it. Um, you should think about what value you can add in those opportunities, but also what those opportunities provide to you as part of your career. So. I think that's the that's the mindset I've actually always kept. I've always had one thing that really intrigues me and engages me is the technical speak. Something very technical. I I love getting into uh, that, that that probably talks to all the, the portfolios I've, I've held over the past uh, uh, past few years. Right, like 
algorithmic grading or audit uh, models, audit data science, and as well as data risk and in certain parts of IT audit as well. So I've always been fascinated by more technical stuff, uh, but it's always been the point that I've kept an open mind to opportunities that have come my way. And what I've noticed is if I, I genuinely follow my passion to learn and develop, the rest of it follows the title, the portfolio and the rest of it. Sure, sure. So if you had any advice for your younger self within internal audit, what would that be? That, that's, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> my advice to my younger self would be uh, to perhaps be more bold. More bold about taking up opportunities, more bold about taking up risks. Uh, I think after working in order for a while, you do tend to, because that's the nature of the job, right? You're there to identify uh, risk and then talk about how you mitigate it. So at times you become too risk averse. Uh, I would actually want to be, I want people to be bolder, to experiment more, uh, which I've, start to do, do more and more of as my career's progressed and do away with the fear of failure because the fear of failure is one thing that holds you back and there isn't anyone in any senior position of significance who hasn't failed. So that's what my advice would be. Yeah. I think when you're younger anyway, you're just so much more, um, you worry more about putting yourself out there and, and making how you feel making yourself look, look silly, right? I think once we get a bit older, we just don't care. You'd rather, you know, if, well, you've just got to put yourself out there and, and, and do the best. H hence the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. okay, great. So if we can just sort of talk about about the audit market for, for 2024 because you know there, there's there's been quite a lot happening in the world and, and especially around um, model risk and data would you would you see the key risks are for for banks companies going forward this year I think uh, so I won't um, I won't go into the entire um, risk scenario, but in, in the context of where we are uh, at the moment, uh, for instance, from banking perspective and specifically in the context of uh, yeah. models, um, I just talked about uh, a supervisory statement, SF123, that, that's been published by the PRA in last May, and then uh, it, it goes into effect May 2024. Um, so banks um, would, would need to uplift their control framework to comply with with, with that uh, uh, with, with that supervisory statement. So I, I think one thing in the sense what I'm talking about is regulatory compliance because regulators uh, are they, they are becoming more demanding in terms of our sort of control framework around around models in general. Uh, I, I think Apart from that, one thing that I talked about was uh, the use of AI and machine learning models, right? Now, every organization, every firm I've talked to is actually ramping up their use of AI and specifically Gen AI as well, right? With the use of LLMs as commonly 
you know, the, the most common term people use for it because it's one instance of an LLM is chart GPT, right? Every organization is trying to see how they can, uh, how can, how they can benefit from, from it. Now, whilst that brings opportunities, there is a lot of risk involved with the use of it as well, right? In, in, in a lot of ways, right? In terms of the data that's used, in terms of data privacy, in terms of, you know, some of the risks being called out or sort of hallucinations, data toxicity, and so on and so forth. Uh, so it would be very important to make sure we have the right guardrails as we go around implementing uh, or ramping up on the use of AI and machine learning models across our organizations. And we do need people within audit who understand these concepts, who understand the risks, who have the ability on the technical side to be able to see what risks uh, lie underneath a model that may on the face of it seem really, really benign. Sure. I mean, uh, I was uh, recording another podcast um, a couple of days ago when we were talking about AI and, uh, and around sort of relationship managers and, you know, how they can tell which is a good complaint, how that was followed up all through um, AI. Do you think eventually then AI will be... Um, will be taking over um, and, and reducing internal audit teams or, or do you think there will still be such a, a big need for internal auditors? I think uh, it is uh, an absolute uh, sort of opportunity for internal audits, uh, for internal auditors to leverage AI as opposed to seeing it as a threat. Uh, there are two things. Firstly, as I said, you need to be able to see the risks around the use of AI by the organization. But then we, in, we at Lloyds, we use AI and machine learning as part of our audits. Uh, and that doesn't mean that the auditors, we need to sort of reduce the number of auditors. That actually, the way we put it is, you let machine do the ordinary so our people can do the extraordinary. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of tasks, especially in terms of exploring data, in terms of driving insights out of data that you could use machine learning and AI to inform you on. So then you could actually get those insights and apply human judgment to it to really add value to your organization and to to the risk to the control landscape. Uh, I, I think it won't be, uh, as I said, it won't be a matter of, you know, auditors doing less. It would be a matter of auditors working differently, not less, but differently, whereby they need to know the art of the possible. They need to know how they leverage AI and ML uh, to, to their benefit. Because bear in mind, the data that's piling up in organizations, digital data is exploding. And with our old techniques of, you know, using a sample of 30, 100 or whatever that might be, we can never provide the level of assurance that our stakeholders need from us. So it almost becomes a necessity to be using 
analytics to using data science to provide the right kind of assurance in this highly digitized data heavy environment. Sure. And and do you think then that data analytics just in terms um you, you know, I, I remember ye- years ago that I was talking to somebody and, and, and before data analytics, it was just as data analytics was coming in and they were talking about um, credit risk and that um, each year, you know, in the audit plan, it was right, you have to do this credit risk audit. An auditor went, done the credit risk audit, fi- done, you know, realised what the fa- fa- findings were, report, and then never, never done anything about it. Then the next year, done the same audit and really the the audit didn't really need to be done again and with the use of data analytics now obviously that that doesn't happen because you can see you know right that audit needs to be done at this particular time and you know where are the findings and and what's happened so do you think data analytics is calling you know calling internal auditors out now to do a better job (laughs) i i think um (laughs) It is, uh, I think clearly if you apply or if you target the analytics right, uh, you could really, you know, the level of depth you can get into is is huge, right? For instance, we, we had an instance whereby we went through the, the population size was uh, three quarters of a million and we found one exception and that exception was significant, i.e. it that did matter. Um, so clearly it offers you the power that you wouldn't otherwise have. Um, but uh, again, to, to, to your point, it's not necessarily calling out where auditors are doing a good job, <laughs> but you would, you it does offer you that power which incrementally you could use to do a better job, is how I yeah. how, is how I <laughs> I'm not as grammatically correct as you, so um, <laughs> you brought that back for me very well. All right, great stuff. And and in terms of um, sort of going forward, it, it, who do you think sort of been most instrumental or a great mentor for your career and, and, and why? Um, that's a brilliant question, actually. Um, I've, I had a... Um, there, there, there was a leader. Well, I, to be honest, I mean, uh, if I look across my uh, career, uh, there have been so many people who've influenced me uh, in, in a way, or in, who've inspired me in a way that I am a function of what I've learned from them. I would not be here without their set, without their support, without their help, without their guidance and stare. Uh, and there, there, there are too many of them to mention, but even currently, as I've worked, the, the leaders within the function um, I, I, I look up to, uh, or chief internal auditor as well. Uh, and you, you think about how they, at times, you know, you're great in certain areas, but then there are always other areas those people could help you out with. Um, I think where I really, but one person I'd probably call out before I, that was before I joined Lloyd's, uh, was the person that helped me sort of move from being a total techie to someone who would uh, 
create wider impact and come across as such as well. Um, and I, he, he was an MD I worked for, and he actually is someone I, I looked up to in that regard because he really helped me move up from being a techie to being someone who would actually deliver strong messages and take a holistic view, not only about work, but also in terms of career, also in terms of building resilience, also in terms of building influencing skills. Uh, so that's, that's the person that comes to mind. Ah, oh, great stuff. And I know lawyers have a fantastic graduate program, um, and especially within the audit space. Um, can you can you just sort of tell me a little bit about that? Do, do you find that uh, um, this, this has been a good route? Because as generally people just normally try to find auditors out of the big four. You know, um, yeah. Please tell me a little bit more about the graduate scheme that you guys do there. So uh, we've got, uh, with Lloyd's, uh, uh, in fact, there's a number of schemes. Uh, uh, we've got the apprenticeship scheme uh, for internal audit. Uh, and uh, actually, we won uh, the IA award. Uh, we won two IA awards last year, in 2023. One was for the best apprentice uh, of, for 2023, and the other one was... Uh, it was care in court from, from internal audit at Lloyd's. And the other one was about uh, perhaps the program, the apprenticeship program that we ran to develop apprentices. So I'll quickly talk about that. And that was preceded by the grad, grad program. We used to have the grad program, then we moved to the apprenticeship program. I've personally found the apprentices and briefly grads to be so full of energy to be so driven, motivated, focused, they would come up to speed on things way quicker than some of the other colleagues, some of the experienced colleagues as well. So, uh, and they're hungry for more. They're hungry for information, for knowledge. So that's been very, very useful. So that, that's the apprenticeship program that we run. The way it works is they do rotations across a number of teams. Uh, and we make sure they do rotation in, within some of the technical teams, for instance, the IT audit team and also the data analytics team. In fact, the data analytics team, almost all of them do at least one rotation in. Um, and they, they, they also do a rotation in uh, the business. So the, it's not that they only see what's happening in audit. They go and see probably for six months uh, at times, I think probably even more, um, what's happening in the business. And they get to pick, they get to uh, actually have preferences in terms of what business they go to. So I think that gives them a brilliant opportunity uh, that once they graduate out of that apprenticeship program, uh, you could actually see uh, the value they're already adding and the, the people they, they come out to be. Now, interestingly, that, that I, I talked about the internal audit apprenticeship program, right? Now, but within the data science team, we're part of the rotation program for the group's data science graduate program as well. So the data scientists that, or the data science graduates that the group hires, uh, they get to do a rotation in internal audit as well. And that says volumes about the standing and recognition that internal audit gets across the group, whereby the group's happy for its data science grads 
to, to work in audit because they know they're going to learn being in audit. Uh, and again, they have multiple rotations across a number of businesses as well. And we're actually quite proud to be hosting that as well. Yeah, you should be. It, yeah, that's fantastic. And and uh, I'm assuming once people have done this apprenticeship, that that uh, you know they they come can come back to audit and, and work as in an analyst role. Um, yeah, they, they, they do actually. Once they've completed their program, they actually uh, the role they finally land is within audit uh, as an uh, as an analyst. Uh, and, and the same happened previously with with the graduate program as well uh, and, and we, we are actually quite proud to, to host them. Uh, I, I think we, we, the, 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 we see them as real talent and of course we won't have it any other way because the amount of time we spend, invest with them and the amount of time they invest within the function that goes, that works out perfectly well for, for both, both the parties. Oh, fantastic. So um, we're coming to the end. So if I can just sort of do a, a quick fire questions, um, just to ask her, uh, what book are you currently reading at the moment? Uh, there is, a, there is a, a, a book, I think, uh, I don't know whether I should mention it or not. Some of it is controversial, but it's good. It's uh, 48 Laws of Power. I found it fascinating because it doesn't talk about present day, but it goes all the way into BC and the Greeks and the Roman Empire and all. So that, that's the one uh, I'm reading, uh, 48 Laws of Power. And what's the best uh, country you visited and why? Uh, that's hard to pick. Uh, I... It's Switzerland actually, and I was totally impressed by the landscape and the natural beauty. I went to Interlaken and the areas around it, and uh, it was simply sublime. Uh, uh, more from from uh, the landscape perspective, if I think about the cultural stuff, then that would probably be uh, Italy, because Rome and Venice were brilliant. <laughs> All right, great. And is there a company, it doesn't have to be, uh, but, you know, a, a company that you admire the most? Now, uh, your, your rapid-fire questions really are pretty deep, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have spoken to you ahead of the podcast to figure out what they were. Uh, I, I, I think in terms of the company that I admire the most, I'll, I'll just talk about one that I've recently been read, I've recently been reading a lot on, yeah, um, and that's Microsoft. And I'll tell you why I say Microsoft, not because of the products, not because of what they do, but the cultural transformation they've been able to bring about in the company over the last few years, uh, and that especially. Uh, in our management courses, we do end up reading a lot about that. So it's the cultural confirmation of the company for which I, I believe Microsoft is a brilliant example as of late. Sure. Well, look, thank you very much for your time today. It's It's been very, uh, yeah, it's just been fantastic and very knowledgeable. And um, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks a lot for having me here. Thank you. Thank you.